love, kindness, human connection. These are some of the things we talk about on the Danny Painter Show. It's a thing. This show is intended for a more mature audience. We might sometimes say bad words. This week on the Danny Painter Show, Dr. Dion Vaish, renowned South African plastic and reconstructive surgeon, the man behind my and many other well-known faces in South Africa. We talk about bodies, faces, and even downstairs. Doctor, plastic surgeon. Um, uh, I don't know what I don't know what the right terminology is, but you'll correct me. Dr. Dion Veyes to the celebrities. You are the celebrity doctor of South Africa. Hello, welcome to the zoo. Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, it's great to be here. Really okay. good to be here. What what do we refer to you as? Um, you can Dr. D. Dion is fine, but Dr. D. Um plastic plastic surgeon is is the is the uh, I guess it's not the title, but it's the speciality or discipline, plastic surgeon. But yeah, Dr. D or Dr. Dion, Dion. Isn't isn't plastic surgeon like derogatory though? Because it's not plastic. You're just like using what what the person already has and just making it a little bit better. You're tweaking, right? Yes. Yeah. I suppose plastic goes way back to the more to the the initial Greek uh, meaning of the word, which, uh, you know, means to, to, to use and to make um, of, um, but not necessarily plastic, like we know plastic, Tupperware plastic and, <laughs> and all of those. <laughs> but, um, but yes, yeah. Um, the plastic surgeon, I suppose, is, is the common way to refer to us plastic and reconstructive surgeons and, and is then the full title or the, the discipline but cosmetic surgeon if you're doing cosmetic only but plastic surgeon i think is is uh, commonly okay. acceptable as long as i'm not being offensive or 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 triggering anyone okay so dr dion has a great story and i've spoken to him on my jack around fm um radio show and i wanted to speak to him again because it's a story that i i love and i want to share as much as i can um Dr. Dion was going to be an actor before he just he fell into medicine. Um, tell us about that. Tell us about that journey and and yes. what you were okay. doing. Okay, so let me let me go back to this. So okay, so at school, um, um, and and actually from primary school already, I did a lot of acting extramurally, and you know that um, was a very fun hobby, and it, it, I. I did it all the way through from, like I say, primary school, right up to matric uh, and in standard nine, or grade what, 11 and, and 12 then, did the Dolro National Acting Competitions, which was a wow. year up in Pretoria. And that was uh, yeah, the peak of the, probably the, the drama and the acting at, at school. Um, and yeah, it was really, I was really, really uh, in, in that time um, wanting to do um, film directing, um, and uh, and I was really uh, keen to 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 and, and ready to go to to LA to uh, to go and uh, study film directing. But uh, you know, I also at that stage and, and from probably family influences as well um, was guided to say, well, you know, don't you need something with a little bit more stability? Because in uh, 1995, in, in uh, in South Africa, um, 
you know, where was where was film directing going? So, um, but um, I then, you know, rather pursued uh, medicine, which was also equally um, fascinating. And, uh, you know, I was also strong academically. Um, I had a great interest in not only science, but but biology and, um, in particular. And, uh, yeah, from my second year then, uh, I knew that if I, if I was rolled into medicine thinking that I'll always fall back, I'll do film directing and I can always then fall back onto <laughs> medicine. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, um, surprise, you know, that kind of medicine then, I don't want to say take o- takes over your life, but you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's uh, not always just a nine to five job. You're on call. Um, you expect to be available after just regular hours. Yeah. So um and it was there was I, I was doing some drama and some acting during my um, studies, but then um, from about fourth year, fifth year, when calls started to become a reality, you know you couldn't go and then rehearse on a production. Um, but uh, you know I, I that might be kind of I might be dabbling in that whole realm somewhere soon. Um, I, Stem cells in regenerative medicine is a big passion of mine, and uh, and it's something that I always wanted to pursue. Um, and and being a, a plastic surgeon, we have a lot to do with regeneration of tissues, regeneration of tissues and, and limbs and uh, you know um, um, organs, etc. So um, I am thinking of on that journey to to maybe get to put a lot of or some of that on film and record some of it and yes. who knows, maybe something will come out of it um, somewhere along the line I think it's um, an exciting journey for for me but for others maybe as well and yeah. to share it so yeah so who knows maybe it will I want this. You have to do this. We need more of you on camera. You are phenomenal <laughs> on camera and, and I love you on camera. I love your voice. I think we need this. And I'm also oh, here yeah. for the science, the science stuff too. <laughs> so, yeah. Game on. I think it will be a good marriage. Okay. So Dr. Dion, you, you go to university, right? You study for a hundred million years to become a doctor and even more so to become so specialized in, in, in plastic surgery or surgery. Why did you want to, to do this side of medicine as opposed to like, you, you have obviously interest in regenerative medicine, stem cell research, that kind of stuff. Why plastic surgery? Because also at school, um, you know, I've always considered myself to be a creative person. I was always, um, sketching and drawing and creating and uh, and sculpture and um, sculpting was a, also um, uh, a, a very um, enjoyable I don't want to say pastime but you know habit and hobby um, mm-hmm. that I that I had and um, from my second year in medicine I knew that plastic surgery was going to be it's if I if I was going to then you know not fall back on medicine like I initially thought uh, because it's such a, a challenging um, part you get to respect the science uh, and um, then create or restore an organ or a body part or areas uh, tissues to um, not only a functional part but also something which looks um, cosmetically as beautiful or pretty or normal as as possible mm. so respect the science but you also get to puzzle things out and and create and um and that that is such a rewarding challenge um so 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 that was probably you know why plastic surgery um 
became uh, yeah was was the the speciality or discipline that I wanted to pursue from an early stage on already. Do you look at all of us and like see how you could make us better when you're looking at us? <laughs> no, I often get that <laughs> asked that question, but you know. Um, when when people ask me my opinion, and then um, then I'll go and I'll analyze it, and I'll I'll look at the the area, and I'll I'll uh, you know um, make sense of it, and, and and analyze and guide then the person as to, but um, but no, I, I think you know to go through through life doing that constantly will. <laughs> will be work all the time, and also not um, you know what it's about. <laughs> How did you, so obviously like a lot of people know you, especially within the circles that I, I, I live in and work in. Um, and I, I go to Dr. Dion, he helped fix my forehead. Um, because I met through a mutual friend of ours, but you've become quite prolific within the celebrity culture. Um, how did you become that doctor? Um, you know, I, I, uh, yeah, it's an interesting question. I think um, I, I think maybe because of also some um, you know some some not connections. Connections sounds so bad, but um, from from history, from where uh, you know um, uh, growing up, also in the in the in the um, acting community, and um, you know that that there were a lot of of uh, maintained relationships. Yeah. In that regard, and uh, and and I think that maybe that's why um, through through then um, mutual uh, friends or associations or um, maybe maybe that's how. Um, yeah, I think I think also that that in that community maybe there's also then some people who can where there's a mutual mm. um, relatable um, you know aspect to it that it's not seen as. You know, typically a doctor and a, a specialist who's you know someone who uh, doesn't understand. Wait. Yeah. Yeah. I still need <laughs> to move my face. Take the wrinkles away, but I still want to move my face. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yes, exactly. <laughs> so I get that. You know. So. Um, so maybe I think I think that that Danny is where where it came from. Yeah. Well, I I love this and like so there are so many people. Um, that you work with and have worked on and have done work for. I I find it difficult that you, when you say you don't take work home, I find that difficult to believe because I have spoken, you've, you've been on my show at like nine o'clock at night and you've come straight from theater in your scrubs to the show and then got home after that for the first time that day. I've also seen you in scrubs at nine o'clock in the morning. Um, where do you draw a balance and, and how do you not take work home? Yeah, um, you know, I think that that is something which uh, which one needs to to respect, and I think also, you know, um, I know, I know it's a topic that's been discussed over and over, but but COVID and level five, um, and uh, and being at home for five weeks, you know, it's a holiday. I never would have given myself, um, and uh, and you actually, uh, you know, for the first time in a long time. I got to um, to again realize what being able to switch off um, yeah. is actually a, um, you know where where it's where it's not where it's not like that for most of the time. But uh, here we are, you know, a year more than a year later, and um, and pretty much back into the same 
um, groove as what it was before. And I think what's something that it definitely taught me is to to take time out and to commit more to having um, uh, you know weekends, longer weekends or longer or, or take a week out here and there. Not even to you know before one could travel or you were traveling maybe uh, arranging uh, a trip abroad, but that was always also tied in with yeah. uh, a concert. You know, it was even there. It was never to because you, I wanted to go on holiday. Um, so now I'm definitely uh, going down to Cape Town. And even though I more often see my family and uh, my, the friends that I you know, really grew up with, went to university with, went to school with, et cetera, and rekindling a very, uh, very precious, actually, um, um, uh, relationships, which, mm. which were kind of put aside. So I think it's a mental thing. I think that that is also what, um, what COVID then taught me is to um, appreciate that more. But you're right. So, you know, when, when it's not those times when I haven't uh, dedicated time to that, time's pretty much open to anything can happen. Um, yeah. So uh, um, it, 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 it is definitely part of just that's how life is. I don't think I'll ever be able to 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 completely um, d- dissociate sure. to unless yes, unless there's another level five, and I'm not wishing that at all. <laughs> no. Unless there's another such a event that ever comes um, onto us. Yeah. Okay, so I have a question, and this I think it's this this is because of how my brain works. Um, and I was always very interested in medicine. I unfortunately didn't get your brain. I got my brain. So I did the ballet and the piano and the music theory and all that that other shit. I couldn't do the maths. Um, but I wanted to be a doctor and I, I would have gone into also I wanted to do the aesthetic stuff, right? And, and it, it really interested me. But you go from being a normal human being like everyone else, to getting an education that teaches you how to cut up other n- normal human beings. And then you're placed in a surgery where you have a scalpel in your hand and you are now cutting up another normal human being. How do you trust that what you are doing is the right thing? I know you have the knowledge and I know you have the, the, the certificate on your wall and you have the cap and the gown, but like in that moment, surely it's very visceral. Like, am I doing this right Yes. Um, yeah, I think that if you had to to ask that question when you're right there, <laughs> then um, you know it's maybe not the best time to ask that. But but yes, definitely. Um, you know, I th- definitely experience um, counts a lot for that. From from when you already uh, pick up a scalpel to do a dissection, um, you know, of a rabbit um, in your first year of um, of medicine, you already start to to feel to experience um, cutting another. Okay, well, you know, the rabbit's dead. The rabbit's uh, been. I'd preserved. cry more for the. I would cry more for the rabbit. So yes, yeah. So you know, but but already you gradually get. Um, I don't want to say sensitized. It's not that, but used to it, and okay. and and every minute of doing that accounts, um, and and gradually just builds on a foundation. Over all the years, I remember the first time I had to do to remove a mole. Um, you know how how uh, you know the very superficial it was on on someone's arm, and it was um, a, a, a post sort of internship post um, 
uh, my community service, the Zuma year, as they all call it. Um, and now I was in Paul Provincial Hospital, and there was this this mole which looked a bit suspicious on a patient, and and I had to cut that out. And how uh, you know, almost yeah, nervous, um, excited, but nervous I was um, as to you know, am I doing this right? Am I going to do this right? And then a degree of supervision and having support there as well. Mm able to 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 not bounce things off but but get that that reassurance is also very important to have yeah. a mentor um and then seeing so many times over and doing so many times over it then becomes um you know um think- one becomes confident okay. um, in doing that and it is a gradual introduction you know going from a mole on someone's shoulder to to removing um, a part of a, a, a person's thigh and under a microscope, be just sew blood vessels together um, for it and transferring it to a completely different part of someone's body are, are things that, you know, doesn't happen. You don't jump into plastic surgery and, and that's the first thing you do. Um, it is a gradual um, um, experience and, and, yeah, and I think that that's why. But certainly, planning for procedures is important, um, and and going over the case, and you know that also gives one when you're then standing at the operating table, you've kind of gone through that in the week before um, over you know what you are going to do, how you are going to approach it, yeah. um, having assistant there as well, you know, who's another doctor who also, for instance, with the body contouring the. Um, liposculpture cases that I do the um, um, he, he's trained in that as well so having just not even getting uh, advice or an opinion from that person but knowing that they're there um, also gives one a, a sense of security so it is like a, not only once you're not doing it on your own you've got mentors you've got people that you can um, peers that you can uh, um, call on and, and get advice from and then and then proceed to give the patient ultimately the best of yourself, but also the best um, for for them. I'm only going to compare this to theatre because you you were in the theatre and you are now in the theatre still um, in a different theatre. You know that just before curtain where you're standing in the darkness, you're dressed, you're prepped, you're ready, you know your lines, but there's that moment of nervousness before you go in. Do doctors get that as well? You guys yes, get that? Yeah, I hope they do. Um, but but definitely, um, you know, those moments are, are still there. I must say that um, with certain procedures, if you're doing it for the, you know, if you've done it a long time ago and you, you haven't done it uh, recently or it's a, a challenging procedure, um, then, then, you know, those, those kind of butterflies, uh, um, that feeling does, does, is there. Um, but in a good way, in a controlled way, it's never... Uh, you know where it feels like it's um, like like you haven't prepared, and that you mm-hmm. otherwise you should know what your limitations are, and, yeah. and um, combine and rather do it with someone else or not do it first go. Okay, so speaking of um, limitations and things, um, every every so often there are trends, right? With with everything, just as fashion changes, so does plastic surgery trends. We've seen Brazilian butt lifts. We've seen I want Kylie Jenner lips. Um, with global pandemics and us not actually going anywhere anymore, how has that changed? And what are the trends now? And and w- how do they fit in? So. Um, 
you know, definitely a trend that's that's increased as I suppose in, in a lot of industries. It's exactly what we're doing now. It's virtual meetings. It's virtual um, consultations. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, you know, that's that's never there to replace a, a, a physical um, consultation or examination, but it definitely facilitates um, um, the, the 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 examination and the consultation process leading up to surgery, and then afterwards following up with patients virtually um <clears throat> you know so so that has definitely increased and in that regard also and there's there's studies that have shown actually that there's been an increase in facial cosmetic procedures surgical and uh minimal invasive um due to um virtual uh, uh meetings mm-hmm. where i think people have seen uh, are seeing more of themselves um on the cameras and, and in meetings and they've decided to um to you know that there are things now that bother them that they might not have been aware of so many times and also in terms of just having this to put forward uh people are, are wanting to enhance um enhance uh, some features so that's there also on that same front um, because people are working more from home and remotely um there's definitely been an increase in the uh cosmetic procedures because of the recovery, the downtime, people can recover from home and, you know, um, they can be um, sitting like we are now, but they could be having had some liposuction um, and be in a bodysuit and everything from here down might is not exposed. So, um, you know, they not that they're going to be sitting in bandages and, and that, but they are going to be needing to wear their garments. They shouldn't be driving. So it makes um, oh, makes recovery. Wow. A little bit easier a lot of liposuction i think has increased but liposuction has been pretty much one of the top two cosmetic procedures worldwide already um but definitely the number of of cases or um, have have increased so um so yeah so those are, are some of the um some of the trends also um in general there's been there is a, a, a um expansion or in, in newer technologies minimal invasive um where patients might not need hospitalization so uh, skin tightening is is one of the you know the holy grails to be able to achieve without having scars uh, and if you think about a form of skin tightening you know um you're thinking about looseness of the skin at the upper arm or around the knees or you know which due to loss of elasticity with advancing age remember collagen and elasticity decreases from um, from 30 onwards um you know those technologies um, uh, have been uh, thriving and uh, and and really are are on the increase in popularity um and and really with good good results um you know not then necessitating the big scars from a facelift or a neck lift or a um you know sometimes even a, a arm tuck so so those are some of the trends at the moment um which which are on the on the rise and on the increase and then like I said, the regenerative work um, is also, I think it's really the next frontier in yeah. medicine, but also in plastic surgery. Could we fix the collagen thing? If you take collagen, can you fix the collagen thing? Does that work yeah. like that? I don't know. So, so the cells that produce collagen and their ability to produce collagen start to decrease from 30. Okay. So stem cells, if the stem cells are taken and with liposuction, fat contains, is the highest source for stem cells in the body. Those stem cells can then be used 
to replace the cells that are busy decreasing in the areas where you you want them. Uh, so in the deep layers of the skin, in the um, layers underneath the skin, in the fatty tissue. So, um, so if you had to constantly maintain the levels of those cells, but also boost them a little bit with a procedure like either laser or you get a treatment called needling. Needling, mm-hmm. uh, dermapain is a common form of needling, but you get needling almost on steroids. And that is where radio frequency heat energy is released at the tips of these needles as well, which, in, which further boosts the collagen production from these cells. Mm-hmm. So by replacing the cells and maintaining them, and then also boosting them to um, produce more collagen um, will be, you know, the, is, is the, the, uh, uh, one of the, 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 the thought processes almost and approaches at the moment to prejuvenate. So prejuvenation means that you want to not get to a point where the damage is already done. You want to prevent it from, from occurring. So that does mean that from ages of 30, where you might not see as much of the, the effects of aging, Start doing to it. those stages to maintain it and, and, and consider treatments like that, you will probably prevent or the aim is to prevent the later repercussions then, um, which only become visible from about late 30s, 40s, yeah. as the folds, wrinkling of skin, pigment irregularities, etc. So, you know, it, it for a lot of people still at the moment, the concept of doing surgical or minimal invasive procedures at a younger age doesn't make sense because they're like, but I'm not old, I don't need to do it. But it's more focused on preventing the actual visible effects because then it's, I don't want to say it's too late, but then it's more difficult to, <laughs> and it's more difficult to uh, achieve a, a visible difference. Yeah. So wait, you're gonna you're gonna ensure that we look young for longer. Um, we're not, so we're gonna be like hobbling around and not remembering our groceries. But we're gonna look amazing, is what you're saying. <laughs> oh, no, that's uh, that's one of the aspects of anti aging. But yeah, also advances in 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 medications and uh, not only medications, but lifestyle, diet. Mm. Uh, the hyperbaric oxygen is also um, uh, uh, a treatment uh, on the on the periphery, which won't only ensure looking younger, but also um, in other regards, um, um, you know, um, address the whole anti-aging. Um, I don't know, holy grail of anti-aging, yeah. Yeah. I, you know what? I love talking to you because I think that there's this misconception about plastic surgeons that it's just all about boobs and lips and Botox. And you guys on are that, but at a very small scale, I think that we forget that you are also reconstructive surgeons. So if someone has had a mastectomy or, or has to have a reconstruction or cleft palates, which is something that you've done for quite a long time pro bono, right? Yes, yeah, and you know it's a it's a pity that some of those have have fallen um, um, by the wayside. For instance, where I am now, um, uh, uh, we don't have a unit where um, cleft palates uh, and and um, and those congenital or born with abnormalities are are that frequent, or and, and that there's a, a multi-team approach, um, mm. you know, to address those. Um, but certainly, um, from a reconstructive point of view, um, you know, 
again, uh, in COVID, it seemed that that tensions were high um, and that the dogs <laughs> kind of felt that because there was a surge in dog bites and they also, uh, you know, um, um, increased, I, I guess, with children also being at home more and the, that interaction being more there. Um, and, and, and definitely those... Um, Reconstructive challenges are, are are still there, and I really enjoy uh, doing them, and that forms a big part of the practice as well. Um, that's not often, you know, as as glamorous to some, I suppose, yeah. but uh, but relevant and definitely still there. And well, I have to tell you, you were once telling me about. Uh, dog bites and, and stitches and stitches and stitches. And I recently found the best TikTok I've ever seen in my life. Um, yeah. It's a doctor. I think he's a reconstructive surgeon and he teaches you on like play, play skin, how to do the proper stitches for different things. And my mm-hmm. mind is blown. I am, I am ready with my, my, my sewing kits. No, I would never, I would never, but I'm ready just in case. I mean, you never know, but um. Well. That's that's another thing that you don't think of that that you guys specialize in is like just a dog bite can be something that that's on your face or your or wherever for the rest of your life. But if if Dr. Dion does it, it there's a possibility that you won't even know that it was there. Um, <laughs> yeah, we do our best, <laughs> but yeah. No, you do good, Dr. Dion. Before we go, do you have a favorite thing to do? A favorite thing to do, you know what? Like I, I do think still, um, um, surgery, surgery-wise, I, I must say I really enjoy um, the well, two things. I really do enjoy the mommy makeovers. Mm. Um, it's long surgery, it's it's big surgery, and it's not just uh, um, you know, uh, uh, it's it, there's definitely a lot of psychology also that needs to go in there, not only <clears throat> for what to expect, but also in the whole recovery process because it does put anyone in a vulnerable situation, all obviously overseen and in con- um, controlled, but still nevertheless, there's that. So, but it's so rewarding. Um, you know, if, uh, if you think about um, some changes, which then tend to be permanent and, and, uh, um, and, and, and how by just removing a bit of excess skin and doing some lifting, you, um, you do turn back the clock and, and also re-raise some of those, yeah. those um, effects on, from pregnancy. But, uh, you know, that's, again, that's my, my take on it. Some, uh, a lot of people wear their stretch marks with pride because, you know, it also reminds them of what they not went through, but their, uh, their, their journey. Um, journey. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's for those who, who want it, obviously, you know, um, it's not something which is just mm-hmm. – put on laid on everyone and it needs to be done um and then the other um danny i, I do think uh, is the is the less invasive uh ways of rejuvenation that i also enjoy and and yeah i do enjoy the whole realm of, of stem cells and the regenerative part um so um um that is a uh a challenge to to do without having big scars, without having unnatural results, and uh, and this concept of prejuvenation rather than than um, you know anti aging at a later stage. It's, yeah. it's also really enjoy that challenge and and working on that. Okay, Dr. Dion, if we're considering something, for example, uh, firstly, do I have to have been a mommy to come and have a mommy makeover, or can I just get one anyway? No, you don't. You can you can have one. <laughs> 
And, and I had a patient just the other day on that who also said, um, she's been looking for anyone in South Africa who does granny makeovers and no one does granny makeovers. Where, where's, uh, do I do granny makeovers? And, uh, and she actually got me onto something and I searched it on the internet and, and that's actually, there is such a thing. So it's, it's basically the even later repercussions um, because, you know, you get two types of them mommy makeovers you get those who have their pregnancies and already at an early stage they want to uh reverse and and then you have those who first go and see their children through school and university and then at one at some stage then later on they're sitting but then they sit maybe with a a bit more of skin looseness and loss of elasticity in areas mm. but definitely you know if you think about a mommy makeover it's usually um addresses changes in the breast and changes in the tummy or abdomen area following pregnancy. So due to that in, um, stretch of the breast in preparation for breastfeeding and due to the stretch of the, of the tummy skin um, from the uterus and the womb that enlarges, you know, you get those um, permanent changes of loss of elasticity and loose skin. Yeah. And that's basically where, why it's termed a mommy makeover. But that can come with great weight fluctuations as well. Yeah. I had a, a patient who, you know, she made it her goal in this whole COVID period to lose 60 kilograms. And she was actually, oh. um, and she, she, she hadn't been pregnant before um but with just that amount of weight loss and this was done without bariatric surgery so all done exercise and diet she was sitting with a lot of loose skin and um and 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 basically exactly what one would do with a, a mommy makeover just a little bit more extensive in her case was um was done um you know without her having actually been a mom before so yes it's uh, called a mommy makeover but it basically would still uh, be addressing um, body contouring um, concerns in the breasts and usually the the trunk tummy area from from either weight fluctuation or pregnancy. Uh, I also wanted to ask you something, and you can tell me if I'm overstepping my boundaries here. But I did see something on the internet advertised the other day about extending a certain appendage on men and um, yeah. refining another one on women. Um, yes. Would this be in the realm of plastic surgery, or would you have to do some go to someone else for this? No, um, it's a bit of a mixed um, field. So a lot of um, your, or not a lot, but some um, cosmetic gynecologists, um, and you know, also now offer vaginoplasties, labiaplasties, um, and uh, and and the same, um, you know, maybe in the field of urologists or aesthetic physicians with some penile enhancements. Um, I don't know if you've heard about the P shot and the O shot, but that's where blood is taken and the growth factors are concentrated in the serum of the blood and re-injected in a male around the shaft of the penis um, to um, almost improve the blood supply because that's what growth factors then the, the thought process behind is that what they should do blood supply to the um, the spongy tissue of the penis which uh, uh, you know facilitates the, the erectile function uh, and in a Male, um, in injection of the growth factors to um, improve on the blood supply at the G spot to improve on sexual pleasure. So you know that's uh, that can be done uh, because we also work with PRP. That's what it's called. This growth factor concentration that we use. We use it for facial indications, maybe or wound healing. Um, so we already um, have uh, experience with working with it. But then um, it can be applied in some genital areas for that kind of enhancement. Fat injections into the penis is also an option to improve on or to increase the uh, the, the size of the phallus. But okay. um, 
but you know i've seen some results i'm not to be honest i'm not i'm not too uh, wowed by it um just yet maybe there's it needs to uh, fall into someone's expertise who's really passionate about it um, and and delivers good results but you know to have a, a penis which is just enlarged in its girth um but but not in all of its aspects in terms of its length and its yeah overall performance you know um to me I think that there's maybe still some work to be done, but some plastic surgeons uh, definitely um, okay. are interested in, and opt more for that and make it their almost little bit of speciality within the speciality. Yes. Thank you for answering that question. Cause I remember a couple of years ago reading something about like, well, it is what it is and that's it. And you can, you can do the things, but nothing's going to help. And then I saw this ad and I was like, we've moved on very quickly since then. But, um, Clearly not. Also, it's it's all about how you drive the boat. So there we go. Um, Dr. Dion, someone considering plastic surgery, maybe a mommy makeover, maybe a boob job, maybe maybe something, liposuction now that, that they've heard you. Um, what are maybe the key things that we should think of before embarking on this journey? Well, you want to, you know, especially procedures like that where uh, where you wait to the contouring the body. Um you know, you want to to give consideration to your weight history and where your your comfortable weight is, what a safe weight is for surgery. Um, uh, you know, are you because definitely it's better for any surgery or body contouring specifically to be done when you're closer or close to your goal weight. Um, because and also it must be then um, if you are going to be losing some weight in preparation then um, it needs to be a sustainable lifestyle and diet. It mustn't be a crash diet. Um, and, you know, I think that, so that's, that's the one, um, specifically if we are talking about body contouring. The other one in plastic surgery in general is to give good thought to your body image and your self-esteem. And, you know, to also um, to, to know that plastic surgery, it's been found, is not a solution um, and will not improve body dysmorphic disorder if that is the underlying problem or body dissatisfaction um, are you someone that's prone to um to maybe in an unhealthy way throw yourself into exercise or unhealthy eating habits because those are um, you know also concerns or or alarm bells which need you to to maybe go and really um you know, reevaluate or maybe even with a therapist, get some advice on your um, and, and having a, a healthy, positive body image because that's important. It, but plastic surgery is not the solution yeah. for that. And, you know, especially in nowadays where social media is so um, uh, prevalent with, with, with ways that one is, needs to look and, you yeah. know, training are even beyond just um, anti-aging and restoring its enhancements, which aren't even sometimes natural. And, you know, um, I think that one can very easily fall into a trap where you think you might not be affected, but actually where it, it has an impact um, on, on one's body um, image. So I think, you know, there are some body um, image uh, um, um, or uh, body dissatisfaction questionnaires on the internet and I think that, you know, maybe to go through some of those before considering surgery to see whether you are, from that point of view, a suitable candidate and also ways and maybe get some tools to address some of those concerns if they are there. So, yeah, I think that before surgery, those are um, some things definitely to to also be, con you know, to consider. And then also just homework with regards to um, 
you know, maybe having more than just one consultation with one surgeon um, and, and, uh, and doing some research beforehand, you know, it's going to be very reassuring to know that either a patient's seen another surgeon um, before and, and getting some further advice or um, that they already know um, a lot of what is to be done because it shows that it's, there's, there's a, a commitment to having a good result, the best result, which is also safe for them and knowing uh, what they are letting themselves into, in for. Yeah. Yeah. And also downtime and recovery and the little things like you're not allowed to smoke or <laughs> habits like that. Yes. And you know, yeah. those are obviously discussed at the consultation, but beforehand, you know, uh, you know, often patients also phone up and want to know, and we offer that. Um, to say, you know, this is basically what you are going to be thinking about in terms of the length of downtime, mm. cost for the procedure, potential risks for complications, you know, because those are there. So, yeah, yeah definitely into, into the procedure and what's to follow. And also the, the, the doctor is always going to be there. Plastic surgery is always going to be there. I think it's, it's vastly more important that you go and fix your mental and emotional health before trying to fix it because it's just like all of us that want to lose weight because we think that the perfect life and happiness and, and love and money is going to come when we're thinner or that number. Yeah. doesn't work like yeah. that. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Exactly. Dr. Dion, this has been great. Thank you <laughs> for your time. Thanks. <laughs> thank you for talking to me okay where can we follow you where can we find you where can we catch up with if you're going to do this tv show thing um give me all the things so um look the the instagram page is dw underscore skin underscore and underscore body dw skin and body um the website is drdion.co.za um so those are our two two routes and um you can either they also sign up um, to to receive a monthly newsletter where I just you know keep uh, uh, people also in touch with with what's out there, what I'm busy with, um, and that's also probably where some of these other um, future endeavors will be touched on and explained and and awesome. kept up to date. Thank you, Dr. Dion. Thank you so much. Remember, you can catch the full video on XOTV.me, and you can meet us in kind of real life. Thanks to DJ Chuck for the music. You can catch him at www.chucksprosound.co.za. New episodes on Jackpot and XOTV every Monday. Love you.